Jasmine and Beauty Podcast starts right now. Welcome into a special edition of the Asmin and Butik Show. Late night. Late night, Asmin and Butik, Sunday night. Taking you till 1 o'clock, one whole hour here on the Asmin and Butik Show on VIC Radio. Dan Butik alongside Jake Asmin. And Jake, a wild uh, first Sunday for both New York teams. The Giant game just came to an end. A very, very disappointing loss. A one-point loss in Dallas to open up their season. And for the New York Jets, a very nice win. Though they did lose Antonio Cromartie, we'll find out tomorrow. An MRI uh, will be done on his knee and see how, what is the damage to the knee of Antonio Cromartie. But the Jets get a week one win, 31-10, over the Cleveland Browns at MetLife Stadium this afternoon. And a lot of things went right for the Jets. Uh, a lot of things offensively went right for the Jets, and in the second half, their defense really took over. No question. And the Jets had to find a way to get a win today. They certainly were able to do that. Second half, as you said, Dan, the defense made plays when they had to. For the first time in a long time, they forced turnovers, and that was the biggest difference between this year's Jet team and the ones from the previous two years under this Rex Ryan defense. The secondary was vastly improved. We saw that. Losing Antonio Cromartie, we don't know the status on his injury. That one certainly hurts. But the Jets got to win against an inferior team, and it was one of those games that they had to win. They have Indianapolis next week. Indianapolis, as you know, Dan, they lost in Buffalo today. So they're going to face an 0-1 Indianapolis team at home on Monday Night Football. That's a tough game to try and win. So the Jets need to get all the wins when they can get them, and they're able to do so today. But we'll touch more on the Jets when we come back from our first break. But we begin with the Giants because, obviously, the way the Giants – one to, or excuse me, the way the Giants lost tonight and the way the Cowboys won. Absolutely excruciating. I mean, one of the crazier games you'll see to open a season. I saw our producer, Connor Weingarten, tweet out that the Giants now are 0 8, or 0 what was it, 0 8 or 0 10 all time. It's 0-8 all time against the Cowboys in Week 1. And they played last year in Week 1 and lost as well. Well, I think what, what is disappointing if you're a Giant fan or, you know, if you're uh, in the locker room, of the New York Giants right now is the way you lost the football game. And, and I think the fact that the Cowboys turned over three times and the Giants converted every time into points, uh, usually I would say 95% of the time, the team that forces the three turnovers and, t- and scores points off the turnovers are going to win the football game almost every time. That wasn't the case tonight. I mean, and I think it came down to something we talked about, Jake, over the last couple of shows since we've been back on the air. The Giants' secondary stinks. Their defense stinks. It was good at times. It was opportunistic, which we said it was going to have to be. If the Giants were going to have success here in 2015, their defense was going to have to be opportunistic. And it was today. And you know, Rodgers Cromartie with the fumble recovery, picking it up for a touchdown. You know, the interception return that they were able to turn into points. Uh, they originally touchdown ruled him out at the one. They ran it in next play for the touchdown. It looked like the Giants were going to roll to a victory. But when it came down to it, you know, outside the 20s, from the 20 to the 20, the Giants defense was absolutely putrid. It was horrid. And it was hard to watch that the Cowboys could run, what, 72 yards in a minute and 28 seconds. That should not happen on an NFL defense. No, no question. And this was the game that the Giants found themselves in. You know, they're six-point underdogs. They're up at the half despite not playing a good first half under any circumstance. But they're in this game. And at the end of that game, Dallas, when they had to score... They were able to shred this Giants defense. They moved down the field in under a minute and at a ridiculous pace. Bing, bing, boom, completion after completion. And you look at this Giants team, and what did they have to do? We said it, Dan, and you just said it right before. They had to be opportunistic on, opportunistic on defense and then, of course, score points on offense. And tonight, you know, they give you 26 points, 
But, you know, seven of that came from their defense, and Eli Manning didn't exactly light it up. He was 20 of 36, 10, 193 yards. He was sacked uh, three times. You know, only a quarterback rating of 70.7. He didn't exactly have the greatest of games. And they missed Victor Cruz tonight because how many times did Preston Parker drop a ball in a big spot where that'd be Victor Cruz running those plays instead? So Giants offensively looked out of sync tonight. They had a couple chances to put him away. And what are they doing throwing the ball on third and goal, run the football, use more clock? Instead, they throw the football, a terrible decision by this coaching staff and by Eli Manning. And that ultimately is a big factor in this game because Dallas has more time to go right down the field and score with seven seconds left in the game. And this just coming out, Des Bryant broke a foot in, uh, broke a bone in his foot. So he's out for the foreseeable future I wonder how long for the Dallas Cowboys. So that's uh, that's coming from uh, uh, a pretty reliable source. We'll so look into that right now as so well. So, yeah, Des Bryant out for the foreseeable future for the Cowboys. But really, when it came down to it, you know, you mentioned it, that play it, a third and goal. Yeah, you, you really need to run the ball there. You, you, met, you, hit on, you hit the nail right on the head, Jake. You run the ball there. You take so much time off the clock, and you're kicking a field goal. So you're able to do the best of both worlds. You're tacking on three points, and you're able to kill some more time off the clock. But when it came down to it, it was a bad play call. But, you know, again, the Giants defense and that secondary just got picked apart by Tony Romo in the final minute and 29 seconds of that ball game. So uh, for the Giants, I, I think it's pretty much the same thing we said, is that this secondary was going to be bad. Uh, their defense was going to be bad, and it was today. Even though they made a couple of plays, I mean, they could not make a big stop. And they needed some big plays at the end of the game, and they just couldn't make it. They just flat out couldn't make it. It's just unbelievable to me that they threw there. And you don't have Eli Manning roll out. And Eli's got to know, once they're making the play to pass the ball, and I get it, you're trying to score, Eli's got to stay in bounds. He's got to dive. He's got to do whatever. He cannot get rid of that ball where the clock stops. You got to be a smarter quarterback in that situation. Well, I, I agree. Guy, I agree, and I wonder. The play call never should have happened, and Eli's execution in that play has got to know better because well, that's a big play in the game, and no, people a, on Twitter are going nuts. Well, right it's now. a huge play in the game, and it, and it really made no sense. The only thing I could possibly think is is if they saw a matchup that they liked off the line of scrimmage with maybe I don't know who I don't know off the top of my head who was who was lined up as a tight end, but maybe was it Larry Donnell or something like that? Someone lined up off the line of scrimmage. Besides that, I mean, I can't really see uh, the. The positive or the 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 plus plus of, of of throwing the football there it doesn't make any sense, but the Giants did it and it, it really probably could have cost them the game. But again, I, I look back at that defense and that last drive and, and you know if you're a Giant fan, you're sitting there and, and you're you're throwing up after that one. I mean that was putrid to watch. It was some horrid horrid defensive play by the New York Football Giants. And, and for the most part, they played pretty well on defense well, they until did. that last you know. Well, you know what? It was game. it was funny the way the game went. It was like any the Cowboys and I think. Um, Get, uh, Jason Garrett really hit the nail right on the head with Michelle Tafoy at halftime when he said, you know, we're not doing a bad job moving the football. We're just not finishing drives. And they really threw out the entire game. The, the Cowboys never finished drives. You know, they got into the red zone. They were forced to kick field goals a couple of times. I mean, they they pick apart the Giants' defense, go inside the 20, and the Giants would make some big plays, and next thing you know, they're kicking a field goal, or they would get a turnover. So, But when, when you look from the 20 to the 20 in the middle of the field, the Giants could not get a stop all night. They just really couldn't get a stop all night. And they, and, and they put, almost won the game. You're right. And they couldn't put teams away when they had the chance. Or teams away. I mean, Dallas, of course. They couldn't put the Cowboys away when they had the opportunity to. You know, how many times did they settle for a field goal? 
where they came up just short. I mean, the drop passes on third down were Preston killer. Parker, you I said mean, it, yeah. As poorly as the Giants played, they led at the half. And even in the second half, there were opportunities for them to put this game on ice, and they couldn't do it. And they kept a good team in Dallas, and it's just enough for them to be able to make the big plays at the end of the game. And you give credit to Dallas, but, you know, we knew this Giants defense wasn't going to be any good, so you can't be giving them extra extra plays by not, you know, running the football on third and goal. Well, that's part of what we said, and really what everyone said is, well, the Giants are going to have a great defense or a good defense. They're going to be towards the bottom of the league in total defense, which they probably will be come the end of the year. Well, they got to convert on their opportunities offensively. And, you know, they get the big play to Odell Beckham Jr., their last offensive possession. What are they, first and goal from, what, the two-yard line, the one-yard line? Couldn't punch it in, and then they made that bonehead play to throw it on third and goal, and it really just... It gave Dallas enough time. Remember, they had no timeouts going into that final drive. Dallas had enough time to really, for Tony Romo to just pick apart the Giants' defense. And, again, no pass rush on Tony Romo at all. And at he the has end all of, day back there. He has all day back there. And when it looked like the last uh, the last play from scrimmage of the game, a low snap, he picked it up off the ground and found Jason Witten in the end zone for a touchdown. And that was pretty much the story uh, right there. The fact that the Giants just could, could not get off the field when they had an opportunity to. Uh, midfield and, and through between the 20s. They just couldn't do it all night, and it cost them the football game. And a questionable play call at the goal line. And I'll say this, just looking at the box score from this game, key stat for me, time of possession. The Giants barely had the ball in this game. They held the ball for 22 minutes and 50 seconds. Dallas had it for 37 minutes and 10 seconds. I mean, that's almost double the amount of time of possession. I mean, the Giants did not have the football, and when they did, they couldn't take advantage of it. They weren't able to sustain many drives. You know, you look at the rushing, I mean, outside of a couple runs at the end by, you know, Jennings and a couple from Williams, they didn't really do all that much on the ground side. The Giants finished as a team, just 99 rushing yards, nothing special there. Jennings gave you 52 yards, Marine 14, Andre Williams gave you 14. You know, they didn't exactly get a power running game tonight, and, you know, Dallas was able, to their to their credit, balance or dominate the time of possession and when they had to make the plays you you give the credit they were able to do so well they were able to do so and they took advantage of of giants defensive miscues mix-ups in the secondary and that's what they did so well and also you know a few plays in that last drive just jumping off the top of my head to cole beasley where the giants just didn't tackle i mean they missed three they missed three four tackles on a few on a few short routes flat routes to cole beasley at the end of the game so i mean from the missed tackles to the, the the bad secondary play to the not the, the non-existent New York Giant pass rush, which we're not used to seeing. We're you know we're used to seeing over the last ten years a very 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 good to great Giants pass rush, and it was non-existent tonight. I understand Dallas has a great offensive line. I'm not taking anything away from the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, but I mean the Giants have to put some pressure on Tony Romo. Tony Romo's a great quarterback in this league. You give him enough time to throw, he's going to pick you apart. You give any quarterback that much time to throw, he's going to eventually pick you apart, and that's what he did. Plus, you got a weak secondary. So, the the combination of a bad pass rush, no pass rush, to a bad secondary, I mean, that sets you up for failure right there. Especially with the weapons that the Dallas Cowboys have on offense, even without Des Bryant. And, he, and he, Des was not even a factor in this game. No, and we just learned that he broke his foot, he's going to need surgery, so that's certainly going to cost him. 607-274-1842, your number to the call. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss the Jets and then get your phone calls. Once again, at 607-274-1842. It's the Asmund Budic Show. We're on till 1 right here on BIC Radio. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gus Buster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? 
Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. The Asmin Abutic Show back here on VIC Radio. That's where we're going, baby. S. Jets. 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 The New York Jets today, they opened up the season. We touched on the Giants in the open. We'll get back to the Giants as we're going to open up the phone lines in a few. But, you know, moving already, to the New York. Pretty busy. Already pretty busy. Already pretty busy. The phone line. Minnesota. Oh, we got a caller in Minnesota. We're going to have callers all over the place. But we'll, we'll get back to the Giants and their disappointing one point loss in their week one opener. Sunday night football it just happened. Uh, 27 26 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. But the Jets this afternoon, 1 o'clock at MetLife Stadium, they, they took care of business. I mean, they, they, we talked about the importance of getting this week one win because of the fact they play the Indianapolis Colts next week, Monday night in Indianapolis, the Colts home opener. It's going to be a, 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 a loud crowd. It's going to be a tough atmosphere. So it was that much more important for the Jets to take care of business today. And, you know, it wasn't a perfect game for the Jets. It wasn't a, an excellent performance, but overall, scoring 31 points, uh, an offense that over the last couple of years we're used to not even being able to see score 14 points in a 60-minute football game. They put up 31 points. Brandon Marshall, his first game as a New York Jet, was phenomenal on so many different levels. The defense played well. Leonard Williams in his New York Jet debut played well, put a quality pass rush onto whether it was Josh McCown or uh, Johnny Manziel when he came in there, but you know the Jets took care of business. They got a 31 to 10 win over the Cleveland Browns this afternoon. Of course, Antonio Cromartie did not did get hurt early on in the game. MRI tomorrow. We'll find out more. Uh, you know, disappointing if he's going to be out a long period of time. But maybe the year, maybe the year a non-contact injury on the left sideline. And you know, we we know how devastating those non-contact injuries can be. But for the Jets today on the field, a 31 to 10 win. They start out 1 and 0, and I think from an offensive standpoint, Jake, you got to be thrilled. No question. And I mean, it starts with Brandon Marshall. Let's give this guy. He was all the phenomenal credit. for the first time since arguably Keyshawn Johnson. The Jets had probably a bona fide number one wide receiver, and, and you get to watch Brandon Marshall in the preseason. You start getting really excited, but then you see him take the field today. And what the guy was able to do on third down, he's able to run these quick slants. He's able to throw these sideline patterns to him. He can catch everything. And in the red zone, there's not a single player since 2008 that has more touchdowns in the red zone than Brandon Marshall does. You throw that back shoulder fade to him, he goes up and makes the play. He could run all these different kinds of routes that could bail out a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick that is good, not great. He's okay. He managed the offense today. He did exactly what he had to do. I thought the one thing that the Jets did really well today was, A, they ran the football, which they had to do against a team that was, you know, a, a good defensive team but not good on offense. You know, get run the football, dominate the ground game. They were able to do that. You know, the Jets ran for 154 yards on the ground today. They passed for 179 yards. Fitz had two touchdowns, and it turns out that Brandon Marshall's biggest play as a Jet then was right after the first Fitzpatrick interception, he stripped uh, whoever the Cleveland defensive back was, and that bailed the Jets out of a turnover, and then a couple plays later, the Jets get in the end zone. So Brandon Marshall's biggest play as a Jet, his first big play as a Jet, was on defense not even on offense, so go figure that one. But getting back to what I was saying about Marshall, what he brings to a team is huge, and this Jets defense, excuse me, this Jets offense is really going to depend on him going forward. And there's no question that as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick can manage the offense like he did today, we got a glimpse of how good this defense could be with a couple more games to really get gelled together. Well, I think from an offensive standpoint, like I said before, you got to be thrilled. Brandon Marshall, you said it. 
the Jets' first real bona fide, big, wide target that they could throw the ball to since Keyshawn Johnson. And you could say, well, they've had a few guys come through. Plaxico Burris is a similar body type that comes to mind, but Plaxico was at the end of his career. He was not the receiver he was when he played with the Jets that he was when he was a New York Giant and, you know, was, was a key part of a Super Bowl win. But, you know, as far as Brandon Marshall, he is as advertised. And he made some big plays today, and you said it, none biggest in the interception thrown by Fitzpatrick where he flat out stripped the defensive back for the Cleveland Browns and took the ball back and set the Jets up for a score. So you got to be thrilled with the Jets' offense. you got to be thrilled also with the player Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, he had that one interception, that blemish on his card, on his stat line for the New York Jets, but 179 yards, two touchdowns, that's all you need. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have to throw for 350 yards for the Jets to win football games. If he's efficient, if he does not turn the football over, the Jets are going to have success, and I think that we saw this today. We saw the fact that his chemistry was working with Eric Decker. His chemistry was working with Brandon Marshall, obviously, and that's what you need. And I think from an offensive standpoint, you have to be confident in Ryan Fitzpatrick leading this offense into Indianapolis next week. No question. And listen, Fitz is not exactly going to be a guy that's going to win you a ton of football games, but he can't lose you games, and he didn't lose them today. He made the right plays. You know, two touchdowns, one interception, you know, 15 to 24, 179 yards. That's not, oh, my God, numbers. Those are decent numbers for a good quarterback to put against a, a, a pretty good defense that Cleveland has. Listen, the Jets usually start off well. You know, they won their last five openers, but you know, the key is with this year's team is they did it and they scored 31 points. And this is a Jets team that we've been watching the past few years that if they scored 31 points in the game, we'd be going nuts. The Jets didn't score 31 points in a football game until the final game of the regular season against Miami. Oh, it, meant, it meant nothing and, at that and, point. And, exactly. The game was meaningless. So, the, so from the standpoint of the offense, seeing them be able to actually put up points is a positive sign because say whatever you want about Cleveland, but they're pretty good defensively, and I thought the Jets' defense, after you know, a shaky start, they really settled in. They made life miserable for Johnny Manziel back there. You know, when he tried to take off, he never really had that much room to run. They did a nice job containing his runs, and I also thought that, you know, this defense was opportunistic. You know, they forced turnovers. You know, they forced fumbles. The big pick by Marcus Williams after he replaced Antonio Cromartie. That was a big play in this game, and for the Jets, it's something they hadn't done in previous years, and listen, Cleveland's not a good football team, but when you talk about the Jets schedule coming up when they got to go in Indianapolis, into Indianapolis on Monday Night Football next week. Then they got the Eagles. Then they got the Dolphins in Tough London. teams. Good teams. You know, you got some good football teams coming up. The Jets have to at least be 2-2 two and two during that stretch, and that's why they had to win today. And listen, Andy didn't look so great today. There's no reason why the Jets, especially without T.Y. Hilton being on Indianapolis for another week, you know, there's no reason why they can't go into Indy and maybe make some noise, maybe pull off an upset. But they had to win today. You know, they did a nice job grounding and pounding. How good was Chris Ivory today? Oh, Chris Ivory was phenomenal. 20 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. And that's what they need from a guy that, you know what? You know, to, that's to the be, type of back he is. He's a tough, honest, physical back. Morning Wegg didn't use him the right way last year or the year before. And you give Chris Ivory the football today 20 times. I tweeted that I thought he needs to get at least 20-plus touches before this game. Well, they gave him that. He had 91 yards and two touchdowns. And that's exactly what this Jets team had to do out there today. They had to dominate the ground game. They did that, and you know, even though they were trailing you know, 7 nothing early, they did a nice job being resilient, making the plays when they had to, and you, know, you give a lot of credit to Brandon Marshall because it shows you what type of player he is when he can affect the game you know, in, all, in all the aspects, when he made the defensive play with the fumble and, of course, being a big-time red zone target. But all in all, really good day for this Jets team, and you got to be excited heading into Monday Night Football a week from, uh, week from tomorrow. And one of our assistant producers, Reed Keller, brought it to our attention. It was Tayshawn Gibson 
that had the interception on Ryan Fitzpatrick and, of course, a strip by Brandon Marshall. So, uh, you know, a great and actually, that was an excellent play, and that was really the turning point in the game, I well, felt I like. I think the Jets outscored... Um... I think the Jets outscored the Browns from that point on. You know, the Browns only had three points after that play, and the Jets had none at the time. So they outscored them 31-3 to from that point at on. At that point forward, yeah. And, and also it didn't help, you know, when you turn over the ball five times, which the Cleveland Browns did, you're not going to win many football games. And, and you're not going to win any football you're games. You're right, and I thought defensively for the Jets today, Leonard Williams did a nice job at his debut. You know, I'm excited to watch him, Sheldon, and Wilkerson play on the same line. We might have to wait a little bit, depending on how long Sheldon's going to be. That's a whole different story, of course. But we got we got a real good look at what this D line can be. You know, they got in there for some pressure, no real sacks, but you know they had a couple nice plays. They had they did have that one strip sack with Trevor Riley forcing the fumble. But all in all, this Jets defense did a nice job dominating uh, the line of scrimmage. They did a good job forcing turnovers for the fumbles and the interceptions. And, listen, at the end of the day, we knew this defense was going to be really good. They played like it today in that second half, especially. And going into Indianapolis, the Jets are where they had to be, 1-0. And how about, uh, just talking about it, Josh McCown running out of the pocket, has room to run, dives for the pylon, fumbles the ball at the half-yard line, Jets recover. I mean, that is as opportunistic as you could possibly be. And, and these are plays we have not seen the Jets defense make in the last couple of years. That's why I bring it, bring it up, because... You know, that's a play. Josh McCown goes in for a touchdown, and, and the game, it could be a completely different ball game at and that I, point. And again, a great point, because I saw this on Twitter after the game. I think it was a turn on the Jets' Joe Corporoso that tweeted this. Uh, Jets, great Twitter account. The Jets today, with their total amount of turnovers, they forced, what, four turnovers today? Five. Five turnovers? Five turnovers. So five total turnovers. It was four fumbles and the uh, the interception. The interception. So the Jets forced five total turnovers today. That is already a quarter of what they had the entire season ago. And they didn't have, a, I believe, and this is not a stat, this is off the top of my head, there's no way they had a game last year where they had more than two turnovers. No way. There's no way. I mean, I, I can't even think of, of, you know, just the last season was such abysmal for the New York Jets. I, I can't even think of turnovers they had off the top of my head besides one Phillip Adams interception. That's all I can think of off the top of my head. Number 24, Phillip Number Adams. 24, because I only remember that because he wore number 24. And now, obviously, Darrell Rivas is back, and he wears number 24 now. But, you know, again... They were very opportunistic. That play at the goal line with Josh McCown, huge play. Changed, really, I felt the momentum swing. It really swung it back into the Jets' favor, and it was momentum they never gave up. Well, let's talk about Calvin Pryor, who was in on that play. That's very, for the first time, he was Calvin great. Pryor today did more in this game than he did in his entire rookie season. And if you're a Jet fan, that's a great sign. The guy's playing his position now. They're putting him in the box a lot more. He's going to play strong safety. He's going to make tackles. He's going to attack the quarterback. They're going to bring him on blitzes. He's going to bring him in the box to stop the run. He was everywhere today. He led the Jets in tackles with 10, and Calvin Pryor, say whatever you want about him, but if he can give you those type of performances going forward, this guy will not be considered a bust. He'll be considered a really good football player and what should be a really good defense going forward. And sometimes you got a guy like Calvin Pryor last year, battled a little bit of injury, but never really felt like he fit into the scheme or maybe what Rex wanted him to do. And so far through one game this year, obviously today, Todd Bowles' first game as, a, as the head coach of the New York Jets. It looked like Calvin Pryor was in on almost every tackle. I mean, he he was flying up and down the field. And if you're a Jet fan, you got to love seeing that, only because this guy after last season had bust written all over him. I mean, that, that he wasn't good last year. He was terrible. He was terrible last year. You said it. He was awful. And here in one game, he made his impact. And I think that's very, uh, from a positive standpoint, going forward, and that's what you want to see from a young player. So here's our, here's where we are with the Jets. We await Antonio Cromartie's injury. We hope that it's not severe. If it is, 
next man up because the Jets have depth in their secondary. It just stinks to see a guy like Cromartie go down. The guy took less money to come back to New York. He had offers from other teams. And now the Jets were in a situation where you, you paired him up with Revis and Cromartie. And I know we were talking about this off the air, Dan. You know, Revis got hurt in 2012, and then they got rid of Revis after that season when Cromartie was here in 13. None of them were here in 2014. Now they're both back and, you know, Cromartie goes down, so they haven't really played together for a full year since 2011. It would really be a shame if Cromartie's out for a long-term injury. You are listening to the Asman and Butik podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. And even when, even going back to when the Jets were a team going to the playoffs in Rex's first couple years, they always had issues with penalties. Holding. Holding. I mean, they always had. I can't. No, no Boga. I mean, he was great today. I had no problem with Jerome today. Only four. Only four penalties. penalties, And it seems like every time the Jets, every time the Browns looked like they had anything going, you know, when they were down and the Jets took the lead, I mean, they had a hold or they had a, uh, a defensive holding or an offensive holding. It was terrible. I mean, the Browns played a very sloppy football game. Definitely didn't deserve to win. And, you know, Johnny Manziel on a different level just, I mean, you know, I'm not a big Johnny Manziel fan. I don't think he showed anything to that. You had some uh, pretty uh, colorful words about him. Uh, no, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm openly not a fan of Johnny Manziel. So I was very happy he did not kill the Jets today. One touchdown pass, it upset me because at that point in time, gave them the lead, and it looked like, oh, boy. Was you like, got, Here we go. I was like, you got to be blank. you got to be blank and kidding me. I mean, I, I did not want to see Johnny Manziel tearing this Jets defense apart. And thankfully... There is a God, and it didn't happen. 607-274-1842. Quick break. When we come back, your phone calls on the NFL. Week one is underway. we got two more games tomorrow, but a wacky Sunday full of games. We'll get to it all right after this. Hi, this is Jim Craig of the 1980 Olympic team. And you're listening to Asman and Budic. We're back on the Asman and Budic show on VIC Radio. Dan Budic alongside Jake Asman. We're going to open up the phone lines for the first time tonight, taking you for another 30, 32 minutes here on VIC Radio. Chris out in Minnesota. What's up, Chris? Hey, how we doing? How you doing, Chris? Chris what's on your mind? How's Mankato? Uh, Mankato's great. You know, I'd uh, like first off give a shout-out to the Minnesota State University Mavericks. They are number one in Division Two football, which I know is high on your guys' priority list. So, uh, another big victory segment. this last week. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're breaking so, down next week's opponent. A question for you guys. What are we thinking about uh, the late Monday night football game? You know, Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater uh, <laughs> taking the bike down to uh, San Fran. What are your thoughts? Well, I picked them on our pigskin pickums. You know, I think it was plus two. So, yeah, I, I don't. I never like taking the road team, especially in prime time. But I just don't see how the Vikings don't find a way to win this game. I think they're, they're the Vikings are pretty much set up for a good season. I'm excited to watch Adrian Peterson, you know, take handoffs once again. I'm sure you are too, being a big Vikings fan, Chris, out in Minnesota. Oh yeah. But you know, the Niners they just had a, a rough off season. Seems like every guy on their team retired. They're having some locker room issues. They lose Jim Harbaugh. Until I see this team play, I have a hard time picking them. I know they're at home. I know it's Monday Night Football, but I, I still think that. Yeah, uh, the Vikings are going to go in there. I think Bridgewater will play well against this defense, and uh, I'm going to pick the Vikings. You know, I would not surprise you one, but if they win, I take. I'm taking them. How are you feeling? You're confident. You feel good about your Vikes? Uh, I do. You know, it's. Uh, I think the. I think the defense is going to be somewhat a surprise this year for the entire NFL. Uh, the old Vikings D, but. Uh, but no, I think uh, you hit it on the head. You know, 49ers are just pretty depleted, and so hopefully we can figure it out. I don't know. The first time AP played there, he only ran for three yards, so. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a much different uh, defense of the 49ers. And very true. Very and, true. And, that, and that's really the point I was going to make, too, 
Chris, you, you look at the fact that this 49ers defense is so depleted. I mean, they're a different football team than they've been in the last couple of years. It's going to be weird not seeing Patrick I mean, Willis out there. For yeah, I mean, no Willis. I, they're, they're really, they're just not Alex the same Smith, team. Chris Borland retired. It, it's unbelievable uh, the offseason they had. And I, in recent memory, I can't think of a team that has had worse of an offseason than the San Francisco 49ers did this past offseason. It was well, brutal. They went to four straight NFC championships and if, before and it, this past year. And it feels like that's ages ago. It really feels like that's ages ago with the question marks at the quarterback position from Colin Kaepernick. And, Chris, to answer your question, I feel good about the Minnesota Vikings this year, too. I think with Adrian Peterson back in the mix, second year at Teddy Bridgewater, I think this team's you know, not going to be a great team. They're not going to be world beaters out there. But they're going to be a nice story. They're building towards something. And I like Bridgewater a lot. I liked him last year, too. And I pick him to win tomorrow night, too. I, I did in our pigskin pick him segment only because I just don't feel good about the San Francisco 49ers this year. I don't like their defense. I don't like their quarterback play. Colin Kaepernick has a lot to prove, even though he's been to a Super Bowl and and, a, and some championship games. He's got a lot to prove after the way he's performed in his last, what, 16 or 17 NFL starts. So I like Minnesota, too. I really do. That's good, uh, that's good news. I trust your guys' take. You guys are a couple animals out there, and uh, I hope everything uh, keeps going with the show. All right, Chris. Thanks for the call. Chris in Minnesota, hey, thank, thank you for you. the phone call, my friend. Oh, we'll be rooting for your Vikings tomorrow night, but... Chris checking in from Minnesota, and I'm actually excited for Monday Night Football tomorrow. You know, we got two good games, I think. Atlanta at home, taking on Chip Kelly's Eagles. I'm curious to see how Sam Bradford Well, that's, does that's going to be the big, offense. interesting game, yeah. That should be a lot of fun to watch. And, and listen, you know, you look at the Viking-Niners game, and on paper it's not exactly the greatest of matchups, but Adrian Peterson is back, and we'll see what he can do against a team in the 49ers that we just outlined. has a lot of question marks heading into this season coming up for them and, starting tomorrow. And just as far as those two Monday Night games, you got Minnesota-San Francisco at 10-20, and then obviously... Obviously, Philadelphia Atlanta at seven ten, the first one, and I really, I'm really looking forward to that game, only because I'm looking forward to finally seeing this Philadelphia Eagles team on the field playing four quarters, not preseason, looking you know to win a football game and playing to win a football game, and with everything that's been around the, the Philadelphia Eagles this off season, the moves that Chip Kelly has made and the moves maybe he hasn't made that have. Uh, that have been storylines. It's going to be nice to finally see them on the field and how Sam Bradford plays and how they play in this offense. You know, listen, Chip's legacy as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, head coach and really as someone evaluating player personnel starts tomorrow night. I mean, he is. I think he's going to be judged so critically on everything that well, happens no with this team, team starting is, tomorrow night. Right, that's a great point. No team is going to be judged more based on their performance than the Eagles because of what they did reshaping their entire roster. I mean, let's think about it. I mean, Kelly's of, on the hook for the personnel and the coaching. They got rid of their number one wide receiver in Jeremy Macklin. They got rid of their number one rusher in LaShawn McCoy. They traded him. They got a good player back, but they traded LaShawn McCoy. Then they brought bring in DeMarco Murray. And they traded away... You know, they're starting quarterback in Nick Foles for a guy that has a lot of talent, but is very injury prone and unproven. I mean, look how well Nick Foles played today. And Nick Foles looked pretty good today as the St. Louis Rams took down, you know, the defending NFC champion, a former Super Bowl champion, Seahawks. So, you know, say whatever you want about Chip Kelly. And, you know, the Eagles might turn out to be a really good team. And in that offense, they should score a lot of points. But a lot of it depends on how well Sam Bradford plays. And no question tomorrow, I'm, I'm very excited to see him play in this offense against an Atlanta Falcons defense that really struggled a year ago. Let's see what they could do going up against a, a Falcons defense that's certainly in transition by bringing in Dan Quinn to be the new defensive coordinator and, and slash head coach going forward. Robert in New Jersey. Robert, what's up? Hey, uh... What do you think the Jets need to improve on for the game, the game against the Colts next Monday? 
Well, it's not so much what they need to improve on. Obviously, they're not going to be able to play a perfect football game, but I would like them to not turn the football over for at least a game. You know, Fitz, say whatever you want about the interception, but that was a bad throw, you know, questionable decision-making on that one. He recovered well, and that's something that Geno Smith never did well. If he would throw a turnover, he'd throw a pick or fumble, it would affect him for the rest of the game. Fitz did a nice job putting that behind him. But for the Jets to win in a hostile environment on the road, facing a team that already lost their first game of the year, trying to not be 0-2, they're going to have to not turn the football over. And, and listen, it's not so much what they have to improve on because they play pretty well on defense, but they've got to be, once again, opportunistic. They're going to have to force turnovers. You know, Andrew Luck's a great quarterback, but if you can force a fumble here or you can maybe, you know, force an interception when you can get it, the Jets are going to have to not, you know, let Andrew Luck beat them. They're going to have to make some plays to try and win this game. Yeah, Rob, I think Darrell Revis said it best at the end of the game. He said, yeah, we played well defensively today. We played real well at times defensively. But we didn't get off to a quick enough start on the defensive side of the ball. And they yeah. let the Cleveland Browns, and then what annoyed me and what bugged me is really in the first quarter and a little bit into the second quarter, is they, they really let the Cleveland Browns get into this football game uh, before they even did. They, they let Cleveland go up and down the field, score, some t- score a touchdown, have a field goal, and really give them hope that they, they were in this football game. And that's what annoyed me the most as a Jet fan. Just seeing the fact that the Jets are so much of a better team than the Cleveland Browns. And they, they just didn't get off to a good start defensively. They missed some tackles. Their, their pass rush wasn't there immediately. They weren't stopping the run great. They were letting some uh, dink and dunk passes go for extra yards, like I said before, not making efficient tackles. That's what bugged me. They need to get off to a quicker start defensively. They cannot afford to get off to a slow start defensively because guess what? The Cleveland Browns aren't going to go three and out when you give them an extra, draw, extra series. There, uh, uh, excuse me. The Indianapolis Colts won't go an extra, won't go a three and out when you give them an extra series, or uh, you know, drive down and, and only kick a field goal. They'll score touchdowns on you, and that could get out of hand before it even gets started for the Jets. They cannot get off to a slow start defensively because it'll cost them again against Indianapolis. It didn't against Cleveland Browns because the Cleveland Browns stink. They're not a good football team. And I, I'll tell you what, though, Dan, what they need to do as well is, as you say, get off to a good start. But they have to make sure that when they're in the red zone, they get touchdowns. You know, you can't. How many times have we seen the Jets? You know, they're playing a good team. They don't take advantage of their opportunities. Today they were great in the red zone. They had Brandon Marshall, but they can't stall. When the Jets are on offense, they need touchdowns. They can't let this team hang around because you know if you give Andrew Luck enough time, eventually he's going to figure things out. And you know he's not going to go after Revis or whatnot. I'm sure. I'm sure if you put Revis on Andre Johnson or whatever you want to do there, but Ty Hilton's not going to play in this game. Which is you big. Know, Indianapolis is banged up right now. The Jets are getting them at the right time. So we want plenty of time to preview more of this game. You know throughout the week. But for the Jets, it's very simple. they got to start fast, and they got to make sure that they do not turn the football over, and they convert in the red zone. If they do that, they'll be in this game and have a chance to pull off. The, I, I guess what a lot of people would call an upset. Yeah, Rob. Yep. No, that's good. That's, uh, that's all I wanted to hear. Let's go Jets, baby. All right. Thanks for the call, Rob. That was Rob checking in in Jersey. And listen, the Jets played well today. Still a lot to work on, but we knew they had to start off 1-0, and they certainly did. They did exactly what they had to do, and you know, as a Jeff fan, we go from there because, uh, excuse me, because we've seen this in the past. You know, the past five years, they've also started one and zero. We they haven't made the playoffs. Well, last so. year was the worst, one and zero, and then what? They lose every. They lost seven in a row. Yeah, and it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. But they, listen, and if you remember, they were up twenty-one nothing in the second game against. That's Green very. Bay. That's true too. And you know what? Again, it's one game. 
But this was a game they needed because of the guys and the teams coming up on their schedule, and especially that Indianapolis game that looms that looms a week from tomorrow night on Monday Night Football in Indianapolis, their home opener. And after the loss they just had against the Buffalo Bills, and the Buffalo Bills are a good football team. They have a good, a real good defense, but they they were they, they were they were very bad today. I mean, the, the Indianapolis Colts were awful today, and I think Andrew Luck said it best at the end of the game. They just weren't. They didn't play well today. So they're going to be looking for their first win. They don't want to start off 0-2 either. That's why it's that much more of important for the Jets to win this game today, which they did. You know, again, they didn't play great, and we said it in the open. They didn't play great football today, but they took care of business when it mattered the most. And when you know when Cleveland started to, to come back into the game a little bit, the Jets were able to force a couple of turnovers, five of them throughout the course of a 60-minute football game, and win. And that that's the that's the key the the key part of this game is that the Jets won the game handily at the end handily they won the game and they, the they dominated offense, the game Dan, put up thirty one points it was great to see and and it was great to see them not only not only um, score thirty one points Jake but really go up and down the field whenever they wanted I mean if they wanted to run the ball they were going to run the ball today if they wanted to throw it they they threw it you know they were able to do whatever they wanted to do they weren't forced just oh well we only, we're only relying on our run game today we're only running our uh, relying on our pass game they were very balanced today which is something we haven't seen from a Jets offense because they haven't had the personnel to be a balanced offense and what was good to see too is Fitz got into a rhythm and we're not asking him to be great but there were a couple stretches on the scoring drive I think it was the drive where they had the touchdown with boom Decker. boom boom six straight completions I mean one Yep. The last time a Jets quarterback had six straight completions. And Fitz is not the savior. He's not a great NFL quarterback. And I'm not but, saying he is. But we know what he is. We know what this guy is. There's no question marks with him. I don't think Fitzpatrick is ever going to be, going to be a quarterback that's going to lose you a game. He may not win you a game. He may not play great. But I don't think we're ever going to be able to sit here and say, the Jets lost this game because Ryan Fitzpatrick was horrendous. I think he might be bad in some games. But I don't think we're ever going to sit here and say, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the reason why the and Jets that's lost. And that's all. And if he doesn't lose any games for the Jets, they're probably going to win more often than not. Their defense is good enough that they should be able to win most games. And I, I absolutely agree. They have a good defensive unit. It's a it's a really good defensive unit with the additions and, and they made. What? I'll say this too, Dan. This offense might be better than we think. It's if it's Fitzpatrick could play like he did today against a pretty good defense. They'll the win most have. of the time. They will because, you know what, Brandon Marshall's probably the best weapon he's ever had. Eric Decker's a really solid number two wide receiver now. We saw what the Jets did in the running game. They got some good playmakers. Owusu looked really good coming out of the slot today, running some some routes up the middle. Those seam routes worked really well. They didn't even use Jeremy Curley today to show you the amount of depth the Jets have at wide receiver. You know, the Jets are, uh, have some weapons here. We talked about it, you know, so many times on this show, how it's all about managing this offense. But, you know, Fitzpatrick did what he had to do today, and that's why the Jets were able to score 31 points on offense. And uh, another quick note on this, just this Jet offense is, you know, you talked about the depth and, and the amount of depth they have at wide receiver, and this is something the Jets haven't had in a long, long time. Really, before Rex Ryan's era as a New York Jet head coach, they haven't had depth at receiver. I mean, at times they had Braylon Edwards and Santonio Holmes, and, and that was pretty much it. I mean, they didn't have much depth. And you see here, you got Decker, you have Marshall, you have Curley, you have Owusu, who looked really good today running some of those seam routes and those slot routes, those flat routes. He was very good. So all of a sudden the Jets have some some depth at receiver that, at least last year, I mean, they were putrid. Besides Eric Decker, they didn't have an NFL receiver on the roster, and when you, that's what happens when you add Brandon Marshall, a big body guy who can get up and catch the football, oh, especially man. in the red zone. How great was watching him not only just go up and make plays, but he's setting blocks, he's doing everything on the field. He's a football player in every sense of the word, and the Jets have not had that in a very long time. And you know, it's nice to see a guy that you know. 
when he's healthy, he's going to be able to get you over 1,000 yards. It's just not had a 1,000-yard wide receiver since Jericho Kotsch did it in 2007. It's a long time ago. And and Brandon Marshall's a better receiver than Jericho Kotsch. A significantly better wide receiver. You know, not taking anything away from Jayco. He was a great Jet. He had a very good game today for the Carolina Panthers, but he is not anything close to Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall's a legit number one wide receiver in the National Football League. And it's nice that he's... Uh, that the Jets have him because, you know, they didn't give up much to get him. They didn't have to give up a lot, and they were able to bring him in and, and add him to an offense. Again, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he's efficient with the football, doesn't turn it over. Yes, he had the one turnover today, but it didn't cost the Jets anything. It ended up being uh, the equivalent of a 20-yard completion because of the fact where Brandon Marshall stripped Gibson and then ran with it down to the 9-yard line. It ended up having the effect of being a 20-yard completion, so it didn't didn't cost the Jets. So they didn't really have a turnover today. Technically, they did, but... You know, as far as a game, they, they as, as far as a game planning I mean, and 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 you know putting your defense in a situation, I mean, it didn't happen today. So even though they technically turned it over, they didn't really turn over the football, which, which mean, is great to see. I mean, the Jets never got that kind of luck. No, exactly. They they played a very good football te- game today, and and they needed to. Like again, with what they have coming up on their schedule, with what the Cleveland Browns are, and again talking about Johnny Manziel, he came into the game and early on had the touchdown pass, but they were able to slow it down. They were able to slow it down. You're not going to sack Johnny Manziel. And I said this to you during the game. Johnny Manziel is not a guy you're necessarily going to sack four times. But if you're able to get him out of the pocket and you're able to secure tackles, he's not going to kill you. If you can tackle him, he's not going to kill you. And I'll give you another guy that played well for this Jets defense today. Damian Snacks Harrison did a real good job. So he's be, he's a great player. He's become he has slowly over the last couple of years become one of the one of the top uh, defensive lineman in the National no Football question. League. A great nose tackle on this defense, and he did a nice job getting in there, stopping the run, putting a couple of pressures on the quarterback today on Johnny Manziel. The Jets defensive line is outstanding, even without Sheldon Richardson. We saw well, because you add Leonard today. Williams in the mix, baby. I mean, and he looks like he's going to be a big, player. Big Leonard. For, you know, uh, the, the, the next five to seven years at a dominant level for this team going forward. So he somehow fell to six. The Jets got him. And listen, we keep saying it, but they had to win today, and they did. And you know, at the end of the day, you find it. You know, you're never. I saw this on Twitter before. You're never as good as you think you are in Week One, and you're never as bad as you think your team is in Week One. And the Jets, they're one to zero. We know what they have to do going into Indianapolis next week. Give themselves a chance. And obviously, with the schedule coming up, we outlined it earlier. Indianapolis, the Eagles, Miami. You know, three tough games coming up. The Jets had to find a way to win today. And now, listen, they just got to find a way to win one of those games in their next three. And you sit at two and two going into the bye week. Not too which, bad. which is, like you said, not too shabby. Another game I wanted to touch on only because of Let's the... Let's go around the league right well, now. Well, only because of the, the interesting, uh, the interesting, I guess, significance to it or the fact, just the way it played out. Tennessee, Tampa Bay. You had Marcus Mariota up against Jameis Winston, the number one and number two overall picks in the draft, going at each other in week one, which is amazing. And how good was Marcus Mariota today? In his first NFL start, with people questioning whether he can be an NFL quarterback, and everyone said, well, Jameis is polished, and Jameis is going to be a star, and Jameis has the arm. I mean, today, Marcus Mariota made every play that Ken Wisenhunt asked him to play m- to make, and he made him perfectly. Four touchdown passes in his NFL debut. Tennessee didn't turn over the ball once, as opposed to Jameis Winston, who at times looked rattled, at times had that Mark Sanchez deer-in-the-headlights look dropping back in the pocket. Marcus Mariota didn't have that look. Marcus Mariota looked really good throwing the football today well, in his first what, game in the uh, NFL. How about this for uh, you know a weird way to start off NFL careers? Jameis Winston's first I pass, saw this, yeah. pick six, Marcus Mar- Mariota's first uh, completion, it was a touchdown. And you know what's funny? The last rookie quarterback 
to throw an uh, an interception in his debut on his first pass, Brett Favre. Really? When he did it with the Atlanta Falcons well, back in the day. Well, I guess Tampa would sign up for Jameis to be Brett Favre. Well, not saying Jameis Winston's going to be Brett Favre. We'll see. And time will tell. But the fact that I, I'm just, yeah, I'm more. It's pretty crazy, though, but, that, you know, you're right, though. All the talks about Marietta, he's not ready for the NFL. He's going to have a tough adjustment. The guy lights it up in his first game. I mean, he's the first rookie quarterback to throw for four touchdowns in a debut in their first ever game since Fran Tarkington did in 1970. Just, and you know what? And the way I look at it is, is look at the difference here. Jameis Winston, 16 of 33, 210, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Through 33 times. Marcus Marietta, 13 of 16. 13 of 16 for 209 yards and four touchdown passes. That's efficient. That is about as efficient. Yeah, quarterback that is about as That is about as efficient of a line as you could possibly have in your first game. And you know what? Again, he just looked poised. He looked like he... he He's been doing this for years. And again, I'm very surprised because I questioned whether Marcus Mariota was going to be an efficient NFL quarterback. And, I, you know, a lot of questions still need to be answered. I'm not saying Marcus Mariota is the next coming, but to see him in his first NFL debut up against the number one overall pick in the draft in Jameis Winston, number one and number one overall, number one and the number two overall pick going at it in week one, Mariota won round one easily. And Jameis, not taking anything away from Jameis, but he just looked like a typical rookie quarterback. And Mariota did. Time and it's going to take both these guys time. I'm sure Mariota will be due for well, I just, a rough game. It's just crazy to see it's that crazy they go that, up against each other, and he does this. In his well, that, that's what it is. Is that one played so well, extraordinarily well for a rookie quarterback in his debut. Not just well, extraordinarily well, extraordinarily well. And Jameis just played typical. Average to below average quarterback play. And I saw something else on the internet today. I think someone tweeted this. Jameis Winston lost back-to-back games for the first time in his life. He's never lost back-to-back games in high school. He never lost back-to-back games as a college starter until now. You know, he lost his final game, obviously, to Mariota in the Rose Bowl in the college football playoffs last year. That ended his college football career. And now today he lost to Mariota again. So he's lost back-to-back games. And the starting quarterback for the opposing team? Each time, Marcus Mariota. And you know what's funny about How about, that? about these guys making their debut, coming right out of college into the NFL, and it brings me back, you know, I'm a Jeff fan, of course, to when Mark Sanchez made his debut for the Jets. And I remember they started off 3-0, and and I remember he did an interview with uh, Boomer Esiason late in the season, and he said, you know, it was weird to, to lose because I've never lost before. I won in middle school, I won in high school, and I, we, I won in college when I was starting. So I never lost before in my life. That's what he said to Boomer, and and it, it, anytime I see a rookie quarterback start right away in the NFL, they, they've never lost before. These guys have never lost before in their life. And think about think about the mindset of an NFL quarterback to bounce back. How many times do you have a tough loss on Sunday, you lose, and then you got a big game coming up on Thursday night or on on Sunday? You know, we, you, it's just the mindset of an NFL quarterback is you got to learn how to shake off those rough outings, those days where you just. Your offense doesn't have it, and you'll lose. You know, these guys have never done, just putting in perspective, both Mariota and Winston, they've won everywhere they've started. That's a great point. They have to, you know, these guys that, that come in and play right away, they have to learn how to lose. They have to learn how you lose and how you bounce back and how you recover. That's why I think some some guys just, and it be, it's become such a norm for guys over the, since 2008, and Flacco and Matt Ryan did it, to be drafted and start right away in the NFL. It's become a norm now. When years prior, prior to 2008, we never saw guys get drafted and start right away. Never happened. Now it happens all the time. Now it's a regular thing. It's just you draft a guy that high, you're paying him all that money. Might as well get him in there to you're, play. You're going to put him in. Let's go around the league a little bit. You good with that? Yeah, let's go around the all league. Right, it was a go. great. It was a, it, you know what? It was week one. 
It was a great week one. It's not over yet. We still got two games tomorrow night, but it was a wild week one. Seahawks and Rams, and this is a game a that phenomenal game. went over Phenomenal we game. We stayed at Buffalo Wild Wings late to watch this one because we didn't want to miss any of it. It went to overtime. And, you know, this is a, a, a common uh, back-and-forth divisional rival game. It's hard to believe that, you know, Seattle and St. Louis are division rivals, but that's besides the point. And this game went to overtime. Seattle loses this one 34-31. How about the Rams, though? Nick Foles making plays late. And you know what? Russell Wilson, he did all he could, but a bad interception in this game. You know, Marshawn Lynch only 73 yards on the ground. And you give St. Louis credit. They had to fight hard to win this one. And you know what? The St. Louis Rams, I think, could impress a lot of people because they have a really good defense. They're well coached. And Nick Foles could play like a guy, you know, that could throw 297 passing yards and, you know, rush for another one. You know, there's no reason why the St. Louis Rams team can't surprise some people. In the and NFL. I said this going into the offseason. I said if the St. Louis Rams find a quarterback, they're going to be a nice team in 2015. And I thought they made the trade of the off. Not well, not the trade of the offseason, but they made a phenomenal trade and in trading Sam Bradford, who, in my opinion, a very injury-prone quarterback who we haven't seen play uh, efficient football at the NFL level consistently. And for Nick Foles, who, you know. I think Nick Foles got a little shafted last year as a, as the starter for the Philadelphia Eagles, and maybe some people can argue rightfully so. But in my opinion, I felt like he was got a little shafted as starter because he got hurt and lost his job because of injury. And I thought they made a great trade in trading Bradford to the Eagles for Nick Foles. And Nick Foles had an excellent game today, eighteen to twenty-seven, two ninety-seven yards and a touchdown, and made a made the big play at the end of the game on a very good Seattle defense, a Seattle defense that. A lot of quarterbacks haven't been able to crack late in the game, and Nick Foles did the job today and was able to get that game into overtime and lead his team down for a score. And obviously the Rams' defense came up huge with the big stop on the great Marshawn Lynch, who never talks, but making a great stop on Marshawn Lynch to end the game. He's and, only here so he doesn't get fined. Well, he's only here so he doesn't get fined. So, you know, again... A lot of football left to be played, but the St. Louis Rams last year had a phenomenal defense. And, and now they added a quarterback. And now Seattle's got to go play Green Bay in Lambeau. It could be 0-2. Yeah, so, you know, the, the defending NFC champs could be 0-2. And that's, really you know. Super Bowl champions, but, you know, that's well, point for they, Well, they, they aren't Super Bowl champions no. because of Hall of Famer Malcolm Butler. And because of, uh, you know, arguably the greatest play call in the history of New England Patriots uh, lore. That's very true. Very true. But either way, you know, Seattle, a very rough loss because they really had this game won. They no really question. did have this game won. So quick hits now. Packers at Bears. I don't think anyone's really surprised by this outcome. The Bears stink. They do, and they probably could have used Brandon Marshall today, but instead they got a nice fifth-round pick for him, so that should help them in the future. Cutler today, 225, one touchdown, one interception. Pretty much a typical Jay Cutler game. You know, Forte did great, but they didn't give him the ball at the end of the game, but throwing the That's ball. That's right, yeah. You know, so Forte finished with 141 yards, and he had a touchdown. And Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, because the guy... Does not have Jordy Nelson. I mean, does not matter? Still threw three touchdowns today. Two of them to James Jones. I mean, James Jones just got there, but he knows the offense. He knows the offense. It was, a, it was a perfect fit, and you said it right after he got cut by the Giants, I believe after the third preseason game, and you said, you know, perfect fit would be him be right back in Green Bay after the Jordy injury. And they signed him right away. And they signed him right away, and he doesn't have to learn the offense. He fits right back in. He does. And you're just talking on one other game, which I just think it was a wild game. Detroit and San Diego. What the heck happened with the Lions after the first quarter? It, they led the game 21-10, and they lost 33-28. They pulled some plays from the 08 year in which they didn't win a football game. I, well, honestly, next to the Giants loss tonight, probably the most disappointing loss in Week 1. I mean, they had the game once. They had it once. Keenan Allen, it's, you let him have 15 catches. 15 catches? They led the game 21-10. They scored 21 points just like that. This game was over. This game was over. It was over. 
It was over in the San Diego Chargers to their credit. You know, Danny Woodhead, Keenan Allen, and all. Uh, you know, minus Danny Woodhead though. That guy has turned out to be an a very qual- a player. very 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 good NFL player. Really Danny is. Woodhead. You know, when he left the Jets, he goes to New England. He stars there. Then he signs with San Diego. And you know, to Danny Woodhead's credit, I know he got hurt last year, but he's back this year. And he, he's played really really well today. You know, he's a really solid football player. Time to start giving this guy credit, not kind of look at him as like a, a joke. And how guy. about he's a good football player? How about player. a guy who just got a big contract extension? Philip Rivers, thirty-five of forty-two. 404 yards, two touchdowns. 35 of 42. Tremendous day. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.